your name, David, Mary, Bill, Sandy, Garrett, Anya, Ben, Faith. Something about hearing your name, isn't it? And I bet you, if you were somebody whose name I just called, you perked up a little bit. The pastor said your name at the beginning of his sermon. What's up with that? I was just doing it to make a point, right? It's even more so that you perk up when somebody who you love calls you by name. When your mother speaks your name, your father, your grandchild, someone that you love makes it all the more different for you. So if you open your Bibles to John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18, we come to a miraculous story today that's made even better by simply hearing your name spoken. In this case, it's Mary Magdalene who hears her name spoken by Jesus. We come back to our Following Jesus sermon series. Following Jesus started 13 years ago, and we've preached about 15 sermons a year out of this, and we've walked verse by verse, story by story through Jesus' life in this Harmony of the Gospels fashion where we take uh, whichever gospel reports the story best and add in from the others, and that's the way we've been doing it, and that's the way we're going to continue it. Nine more sermons, and then we're done. 198 sermons total. But our sermon today from Following Following Jesus is called When Jesus Calls Your Name. And if you're looking at that graphic, we've got to give a shout out to Andrea Cogley. She's made us a pretty cool one, especially being that um, the way life feels right now isn't like a straight section road through Nebraska cornfield, is it? It's kind of like the curvy following Jesus road she's got on our graphic now. So thanks to Andrea for getting that done for us. We've got our scripture memory verse for the month that I've skipped the past few weeks, but it applies today for our sermon, and it applies for life today as well. Let's read that together, and that's Luke 24, 25 through 26. Luke 24, 25 through 26. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory. That's our scripture memory verse for the month, and we'll work on that a few more weeks. Now, uh, assuming you've got your Bibles open to John chapter 20, John chapter 20 in verses 11 through 18, let's see what's recorded there. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated there where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken away uh, my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Verse 15, Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word, that each and every week as we open your word, you teach us. 
And I pray, Father, that the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to your sight and instructive to my brothers and sisters as we consider what Jesus has to say and how it changes everything for Mary Magdalene and for us. We pray you speak to us now. Amen. Well, two things to note about this passage of Scripture. First is about the women. We think about this story even as we portray it here on our stage with the women going to the tomb. But you need to look at all four Gospels in Matthew 28 and Mark 16 and Luke 24 to see how the stories fit together. Matthew reports Mary Magdalene and Mary. Mark reports Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome. And then Luke talks about uh, in Luke 24 verse 10, Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of James, Joanna, and the other woman. The other thing to understand here as we get back into following Jesus' sermon series is what's happened. Now, if you look in your Bible there in John chapter 20, at verse 1, you see it says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. So keep in mind what happened first was that the women went to the tomb on what we know as Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning, the way we celebrate it and remember it. And then the women went back and told the disciples of which Peter and John ran and got there. And you know that scene of John getting there first and looking in, but then Peter getting there second because he's a little bit older and rushing in. And then both of them left. Well, somewhere along the way here, Mary Magdalene as well has returned. Whether she ran back to the tomb uh, after them or she walked, it doesn't say. But she's standing now as we find her in chapter 20, verse 11, outside the tomb, and she's crying. It says there that she wept. Our first point on our outline today is when you are so troubled. When you are so troubled. I use the word troubled here because troubled means to disturb the mental calm or contentment. It's about being anxious or distraught, confused, concerned, frightened, pained, plagued, puzzled, scared, unsettled. All these things. So I use a broad word like troubled because I want to apply this scripture not just what we learn in Mary's life, but as it applies to our life and all kinds of situations when we can be troubled, right? So we deal with trouble all the time, Uh, sometimes more, sometimes less. Some of us make a career of it, and some of us just feel it at a time like now when it's uh, COVID. Life has pain. Life has suffering. The Bible says rain falls on the just and the unjust. So when we're so troubled, in this passage, we see three different reactions from Mary Magdalene. And I think all of them may apply to us in a troubling situation as well. The first one you see there in verse 11 is that you can't imagine a miracle. When you're so troubled, so distraught, so worried, so puzzled, or so scared, you can't even imagine that a miraculous thing would happen. Most of us as Americans, unfortunately, don't imagine miracles anyhow. So she stood outside the tomb crying, and she wept. The word wept there literally means she was wailing, she was weeping, she was mourning. And she bent over to look into the tomb. The situation is so challenging. It's so terrible. It's so bad that she seems to think no miracle could happen. It's not in her mind. Most of the time, it's not in our mind that a miracle is going to change things, right? But just like in the case of Mary Magdalene, 
whenever we're in a desperate situation, we need to remind ourselves that we serve a risen Savior, and He's in the world today, and that Sunday is coming. Amen? That Sunday is coming, and there is a resurrection, and there is going to be a change because God is still sovereign, and He still wants to work in our lives. So when you're so troubled, you can't imagine a miracle. And the second reaction to Mary is you talk with angels like it's normal. I mean, she is so not in her right mind, so distraught over the fact not now that Jesus had died, but that Jesus had disappeared, thinking somebody has stolen his body. And she's distraught over this that uh, John retells it for us. It says in verse 12, and saw two angels in white. That's actually a a mistranslation by the NIV. In the way John writes it, it's in the Greek, it's actually present tense. Just like you or I, when we're telling a story, we step back into present tense to make it more powerful and more vivid and retelling. So too does John do that here. And it says, and she sees two angels in white seated where the body had been. Well, she's already been to the tomb once. She already saw them. Did she know they were angels? We don't know. Luke says it was two men, and they don't say he's risen. Mark 16 says it was one young man. Um, Where they were, they could have moved around from one time to the next, and how many guys there were, we don't need to worry with that. But they're sitting where Jesus' body had been, one at his foot and one at his head. Now, here's the interesting thing that this says to us. When angels are present, that says there's a change. Where the powers of darkness have been at work, They're no longer at work. Where evil humanity put Jesus to death, he's not dead anymore. And this is now a place under the supernatural, sovereign control of the God of all heaven. Angels are his watchmen. They are there on behalf of God their Father to serve. And when angels are in the scene, watch out, folks. Look at how it goes on there in verse 13. They ask her, women, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they've put him, she says. This is natural. This is normal. Anytime you're confused, you're going to ask questions, and she is. But here she is talking with the divine, the supernatural angels, and she's talking with them like a regular old human. You remember the story from a few weeks ago where I was confused for an angel and I said, no, I'm not an angel. I'm just from Texas, right? Um, Not that Texas people are more angelic. That's even worse, isn't it? But Mary Magdalene is so distraught that she can't even imagine that a miracle would have taken place, that Jesus would have resurrected, and that she's actually talking to angels. When you're so troubled, you can't imagine a miracle. You don't imagine talking to angels. And then here's the third reaction Mary Magdalene has, and that's you don't recognize Jesus is present. You don't recognize that even the Lord himself is present. There are times when we can get so down, so discouraged, so worried that we think God has left us. We think Jesus is not there with us. But the Bible tells us he will never leave us or forsake us. The Bible tells us he is faithful even when we are faithless. It just seems to us that he's not there. But look at verse 14 and 15. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. You might go, oh, she saw Jesus, but wait. But she didn't realize it was Jesus. Now, it may have been that, you know, she heard a twig break behind her and went, whoop, what's that? Or it may have been that one of the angels was like, hey, I'm Mary, look over there. And, you know, she's like, what? Ooh, okay. But she doesn't recognize it's him. And notice what he says. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it looking for? It's interesting to me that the angels 
and Jesus, rather than just saying, hey, here's the deal, woohoo, say, start by asking a question. And so Jesus, too, asked this question. And it says there, thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Now, we don't know a whole lot about Mary Magdalene. She's mentioned in Luke chapter 8 as she was part of the uh, disciples that followed Jesus closely. And it says in verse 3 of Luke 8 that she even supported Jesus and others through her own means. So she had some sort of means. We do know that she had been possessed by demons and those demons had been cast out. And so she spent time following Jesus, supporting herself and Jesus and others. She has a close relationship with him, so close that she's among the inner circle that is there when he dies and goes to um, care for his body after he has died. And so here she is with this close relationship with Jesus at the tomb all by herself, apart from the angels, and now Jesus. And so I've got two questions for us to consider here when we're troubled. The first one is what causes me to be so troubled? In your life in general or usually, what person, what situation, what day of the month, what time of the year, what type of things cause you to be so troubled? And then, of course, how do you handle it when you're troubled like that? What's your normal reaction? Do you get frustrated? Do you get sad? Do you get some of both? It depends on the moment. And then a second question to ask there, what do I tend to miss when I'm troubled? I don't know about you, when I'm flustered or upset or angry, troubled in any way, I tend to miss things. Uh, the phrase I use is it knocked me off my game. You know, I might say I lose my cool or lost my mojo or broke my stride. You know, we use these euphemisms for meaning that we're not our normal self because something has affected our thinking and our speaking and our actions. So those are things we need to consider is Mary Magdalene when she's troubled, when we're troubled. But before we move on to our second half of our sermon, I need to take just a moment to note three striking facts. Three striking facts about this story and about what is about to happen. This will be the first post-resurrection appearance of Jesus to any person at any time. And guess what? It wasn't one of the well-known disciples. It wasn't Peter, James, or John. It wasn't even any of the other apostles but it is to a woman. We know by the disciples' reaction at first and by customs at that time that women were not as well respected in that society. We see from Jesus' life that he was always elevating women. And I have to wonder here if this is one more way that Jesus is teaching the culture then and Jesus is teaching our culture now that women are valuable and women deserve respect and they should in no way be treated as any different. If anything, they should be looked at with great respect and admiration. And then the second or the third fact about this is not only is it wasn't a well-known disciple, not only is it a woman that Jesus makes this first post-resurrection appearance to, but the sheer length of the story. The fact that John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has written this down and devoted all these verses to this says something about it that God wanted us to know through John something about Mary something about us, something about himself. So what does this tell us? I think it tells us that you matter to Jesus, that no matter your past, no matter society's view of you, no matter your job, no matter your education, no matter your gender, no matter your gender confusion, no matter, no matter, no matter what, you matter, that you matter to God because 
he showed up to Mary Magdalene, this woman with a very difficult past, first. One truth that will never change in Matthew 5, 3 that Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you are humble, or if you have been humbled, it's okay, because God's right there with you. And when you're troubled, like Mary Magdalene, or like any of us, we need to notice what happens next. That's the second major point on your outline. The second major point on your outline is when Jesus calls your name. When Jesus calls your name, Mary Magdalene has three reactions when Jesus calls her name. And the first is in verse 16, and that is you know it's him. You know it's him. Look at verse 16. I love this. Uh, Forgive me. I'll try not to get too excited. Jesus said to her, Mary. I wonder how he said it. Did he like, Mary? Or was he like, Mary, soft and gentle? I don't know how he said it but I can only imagine. And she turned towards him because maybe she'd looked away. She'd looked back in the tomb. Who knows? But said she turned towards him and she cries out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Now, Rabboni or teacher doesn't translate for us. This like means my dear teacher. And this is more than the way we feel about even the most beloved high school teacher we've had or the best professor we've ever had. This is a term of intimacy and trust because of what this disciple relationship meant in their culture. It's like in a flash, immediately all her distress, all her worries, all her fears, all her questions, all her confusion is all vanished. And far more than she's imagined has just happened. She wasn't looking for a miracle. She was looking for a dead body and wondering where they put him. But now she's got her living Lord Jesus face to face there with him. And what does she do? She falls down at his feet. Look at what that says. Jesus said, do not hold on to me. I have not yet returned to my father. Go instead to my brothers. Well, we'll get there in a minute. That's your second major point there. When Jesus calls your name, you show him affection. When Jesus calls your name, you show him affection. It tells us in Matthew 28 that she seized his feet. This was an act of joy, an act of adoration, but it was also like, you were dead, now you're alive, and you were lost, and now you're found, and my faith is for real, and I'm holding on to you, Jesus, because I don't want to let you go again, right? Jesus had changed her life. He cast out demons. He called her by name. She followed him. She loved him. She saw all the things he did. She knew the change that Jesus could bring in her life. You know, if you love someone, you show them. Yeah, there's different love languages, so they say. And we show it in different ways and what we say and what we do. But she demonstrates her affection for Jesus by grabbing on to him. Now, it's interesting that he says, do not hold on to me. One commentator said this is maybe one of the most troubling passages, i.e. hard to understand, in the entire Gospel of John. And to understand uh, and talk deeply about the resurrection and what Jesus is meaning, that's the topic for another sermon, if you'll allow me that. The Greek literally says, I am ascending, i.e. still in the process. I haven't ascended yet. And so this is debated and not exactly clear, but it doesn't apply to our point today. So if you don't mind, we're going to move along. He says there in the latter part of verse 17, Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Now that's something I want to take notice of. Jesus has a love relationship with Mary that when he calls her by name, she knows it and she responds with affection. But then notice what he does here. He says, To my father and your father, to my God and your God. 
Jesus includes her and all the disciples that believed in him at that time in a new relationship. He's saying, we're in this together. As I'm his child, you are his child. Like Paul said in Ephesians 1, 7, in him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Like he says in Romans 8, 29, that we are the firstborn of many brothers. In Galatians 3, 26, that we are sons of God through our faith in Christ Jesus, that we are changed and we belong to God because of what Jesus has done. So when Jesus calls your name, you know it's him. When Jesus calls your name, you can't help but show affection. And then the third reaction of Mary here in verse 18, when Jesus calls your name, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The third reaction is you do what he says. You do what he says. Mary went to the disciples. She did what Jesus said. She was obedient. Now, John doesn't record how the disciples responded. Unfortunately, they may have responded to her at this time like they responded to her the first time and like they didn't believe him. But they'll get there soon enough. This is the first 10 absolute, undebatable uh, uh, post-resurrection experiences of Jesus and is recorded here with Mary Magdalene. We've got two questions in conclusion to apply this. And that first one is, how does my relationship with Jesus make a difference? How does your relationship with Jesus make a difference in your life? What difference does it make? How do I live different than others due to the fact that I am a follower of Jesus? Do I think differently than others? Do I say things differently than others? Do I act differently than others? Do I believe differently than others? Do I value differently than others? Am I more like Jesus than other people out in society, my neighbors, my families, and friends that don't call Jesus their personal Lord and Savior? He knows my name, and I hear him call. In order to hear someone call, you've got to be listening. But in order to know that he's the one calling, you've got to be able to recognize his name. In order to recognize his name, you've got to turn off the distractions in order to hear him, but also tune into his voice and spend enough time with him that you know his name. If I called you, you may or may not recognize my name. You know, if you didn't have caller ID, right? Who's this calling? And I say, hey, Ryan, how is it? And Ryan might go, oh, it's Pastor Aaron because he recognized my voice because we've spent enough time together. But maybe I haven't called you enough. And you'd be like, um, um, uh, hello, who is this? But if you spend time with somebody, you know their voice. How does your relationship with Jesus make a difference in your life? Do you recognize his voice when he calls you? Your second application question there and the final question on our outline today is how well do I tend to obey Jesus? That's where the rubber meets the road, right? We can come up with all sorts of um, well-sounding and high-minded sort of uh, platitudes of anything, but it's what we do, the action steps that we take, not just the strategies where we write down and the things we put on posters and the walls, but what we do to make it happening. So I'm assuming that we hear Jesus, that we recognize his voice, and I'm asking, how do we obey him? You know, the Bible tells us if we love him, we'll obey him. Why would we do that? Because he loves us. Jesus died for you, and no matter what, and he calls you by name. He calls you to be a child of God, to comfort you, to carry you, to provide for you. He calls you to obey him because you love him. And when you do, 
you'll be blessed by him, cared for by him, and carried by him. Let's pray. God, our Father, we thank you for your word and this amazing story with Mary Magdalene and Jesus that teaches us so much. What's behind the story that you want us to know about how you value people no matter what the world thinks to what's explicit in the story about hearing your voice spoken by you, Lord Jesus, and how it changes everything. So God, I pray that those hearing my voice even now would be followers of Jesus. And if there's anyone listening to me who's never trusted Christ Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord, that they would do that even now. That they would admit to you that they're a sinner. They would ask your forgiveness for their sins and proclaim that Jesus is their Savior and Lord to follow him the rest of their lives. And for those of us who are already Christ followers, God, I pray that you help us in hearing and recognizing Jesus' voice and most of all, in obeying Jesus' voice. That we would be so filled with the way that you love us that obedience to you would come natural. We thank you, Father, as we continue to follow Jesus. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us again on Worship Online. We look forward to coming back to worshiping live and in person when we can. But we're going to keep listening to our government authorities, keep assessing whether it's safe and how we would do all those things at that point in time. We'd love to have you join us for a Sunday school class. You can see the See Classes button on our homepage of our website to find one. And um, then, of course, the one other thing I want to ask you to consider is if you might want to join our team to volunteer. Uh, We need folks to run the camera or the computer to help us live stream when we do come back. If you'd be interested in that, just email the office, office at southviewbaptist.org. Let us know you're interested. Please know that you'd be trained and you'd be supported, and it'd be one way you'd be helping others make it through everything that this world is with COVID-19. Thanks again. God bless you.